A reading from Ezekiel. Thus says the Lord God, I myself will take a sprig from the lofty top of a cedar. I will set it out. I will break off a tender one from the topmost of its young twigs. I myself will plant it on a high and lofty mountain. On the mountain height of Israel, I will plant it in order that it may produce boughs and bear fruit and become a noble cedar. Under it, every kind of bird will live. In the shade of its branches will nest winged creatures of every kind. All the trees of the field shall know that I am the Lord. I bring low the high tree, I make high the low tree. I dry up the green tree and make the dry tree flourish. I, the Lord, have spoken. I will accomplish it. The word of the Lord. A reading from Paul's second letter to the Corinthians. So we are always confident, even though we know that while we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord, for we walk by faith, not by sight. Yes, we do have confidence, and we would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim to please him. For all of us must appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each may receive recompense for what has been done in the body, whether good or evil. Therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we try to persuade others, but we ourselves are well known to God, and I hope we are also well known to your consciences. We are not commending ourselves to you again, but giving you an opportunity to boast about us, so that you may be able to answer those who boast in outward appearance and not in the heart. For if we are beside ourselves, it is for God. If we are in our right mind, it is for you. For the love of Christ urges us on, because we are convinced that one has died for all, therefore all have died. And he died for all, so that those who live might live no longer for themselves, but for him who died and was raised for them. From now on, therefore, we regard no one from a human point of view. Even though we once knew Christ from a human point of view, we know him no longer in that way. So if anyone is in Christ, there is a new creation. Everything old has passed away. See? Everything has become new. The word of the Lord. The Holy Gospel today comes from the book of St. Mark, the fourth chapter beginning with the 26th verse. Jesus also said, The kingdom of God is as if someone would scatter seed on the ground and would sleep and rise night and day, and the seed would sprout and grow. He does not know how. The earth produces of itself first the stalk, then the head, then the full grain in the head. But when the grain is ripe, at once he goes in with his sickle because the harvest has come. He also said, with what can we compare the kingdom of God, or what parable will we use for it? It is like a mustard seed, which when sown upon the ground is the smallest of all the seeds on earth. Yet when it is sown, it grows up and becomes the greatest of all shrubs and puts forth large branches 
so that the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. With many such parables, he spoke the word to them as they were able to hear it. He did not speak to them except in parables, but he explained everything in private to his disciples. The Gospel of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. My dearest siblings, grace and peace to you from God in whom we live and move and have our being. Amen. I imagine like most of you, um, I grew up with hearing these parables about the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God. These parables where Jesus starts such a thing, saying the kingdom of heaven is like, the kingdom of God is like. And I imagine, like many of you, I grew up thinking that Jesus was talking about what life is going to be like after we die and go to heaven. It wasn't until seminary and and especially in my growth as a pastor that um, two things happened. One, I realized that as Jesus is giving these parables talking about the kingdom of heaven, he's almost never talking about after life almost exclusively talking about the kingdom of heaven's presence in our lives here and now. And the second thing that happened was that as I began to reflect on these parables in that perspective as something talking about our lives here and now and our experience of God's presence here and now, these parables started to have much more meaning for me personal meaning, meaning in how I would literally navigate my days, navigate my relationships with people, navigate my life as a Christian and my responsibilities as a pastor. And so here we are at the beginning of Mark as we enter into these summer months and we spend more time in Jesus' ministry, not so much his death and resurrection, but what he did walking around Galilee and Judea preaching and talking to people and healing, we're going to hear a lot of these kingdom of heaven parables. And as we do that, I invite you, every time you hear that phrase, the kingdom of heaven is like, or the kingdom of God is like, immediately in your mind, think, what is this parable saying about my life right now? Move yourself away from thinking that Jesus is trying to describe an afterlife experience and try to immerse yourselves in that perspective. What is Jesus trying to point us to in our personal lives right now and in our communities at large right now? And I'm going to help us do that with these two parables today. And I want to start by just saying this, and some of this is going to be stuff you've heard me say already, many times I imagine. Um, But I'm going to say this now. You always have to know the context of what was going on in this time to understand these parables, to understand what Jesus is talking about. You have to understand the history of what was going on in this region and in this time, on, on our timeline in the time of of first century ancient Palestine. Um, And so Jesus is walking around Galilee during most of his ministry. He's not in Jerusalem. He's in uh, the region of Palestine. That's what the Romans called it. This was the region of Palestine that Rome had conquered and had control over. Uh, Jesus is walking around Galilee. Galilee uh, had a giant lake 
Its main industry was fishing. But historically, what was happening in Galilee at the time was King Herod, who was king of the Jews. Herod was a vassal king that Rome had put in place because he was cooperative with Rome. He would do whatever Rome wanted him to do, even though he was a Jewish person. Uh, Herod had levied this massive tax against fishing in the Lake of Galilee, in the Sea of Galilee. And the reason that Herod did this was because he was constructing these monuments to Caesar. Not to God, not to Yahweh, not to the Jewish people, to Caesar. So Herod, this Jewish guy, was taxing his own people an insane rate to build monuments to Rome. And Jesus, as you know, has a lot of fishermen as his disciples, people who were suffering from this taxation. Jesus spent the majority of his time in Galilee with Herod, with Rome, with all of this going on around him. And, and one of the things I've said before is that anytime you read the Gospels or the New Testament, Rome should always be in the back of your mind. Always. Always. Rome was everywhere. And Jesus constantly was responding to Rome, to Rome's oppression, Rome's persecution, Rome's power, Rome's might, Rome's imperialism. Um, and this parable very much is doing that. And again, that's because Rome's power was everywhere. One of the ways that Rome kept control over its empire was continually reminding people how strong it was and what would happen if people stepped out of line. When you look at the monuments that Herod was building, when you look at, at Roman architecture in the region of Galilee and in Jerusalem, inscripted all over those columns, those pillars, that architecture was evidence, was stories, was reminders of Rome's power, of Rome's gods, of Rome's emperor, of victories in those regions, excuse me, in those regions that Rome had of, of uh, reminders of the spoils that Rome had taken, constantly reminding people how strong Rome was and what would happen if people tried to stand up against them. It was always, always present as a way to inflict fear upon everyone around them. There's a reason Rome was the strongest empire for a thousand years, because they were good at what they did. This worldview and the values that Rome pressed upon people, reminding them was, was about strength, conquest, the results of their wars, and how they had control over every facet of the empire. When you travel to Rome today and to Italy especially and you see all of the roadways there, um, all of that was constructed by Rome so that their armies could get to any part of their empire at, with just utter ease. I mean, it's, it's a, a marvel when we look at it historically at, at what Rome constructed thousands of years ago. Stuff that, that just baffles people's minds even in our modern time today. The symbols that, that Rome constantly lifted up were symbols of, of lions and eagles and these powerful gods and emperors and victories. It's all about strength and conquest and violence and death. In fact, the Gospel of Mark 
was written sometime after 70 CE. What had happened in that time was the Jewish revolt. Jewish people finally did stand up against Rome, and they were completely demolished. The Jerusalem temple was destroyed, and all of the the treasures that were in there were taken away by Rome. Anybody know what they built with that treasure? Not a rhetorical question. The Colosseum. Some of the first people to go into that Colosseum and be killed by gladiators were Jewish people who had revolted against Rome. Because Rome's power, as I said, was everywhere, a constant reminder of what would happen. So this is the world that Jesus is not only traveling in, living in, but it's the world he's responding to. Jesus is talking to people who are living under this fear. And Jesus is doing something profoundly radical. In a world of Rome's empire, this Jewish rabbi is talking about God's empire. Anytime we hear that phrase, the kingdom of God is like, the kingdom of heaven is like, what Jesus is actually saying is the empire of God is like, the empire of of heaven is like, and Jesus is intentionally lifting this up against Rome. It's one of the reasons we know that Jesus isn't just simply talking about an afterlife experience, but a present life experience, because for anyone at that time to talk about another empire, especially an empire being stronger than Rome, was an act of treason, was something worthy of death on a cross. And here is Jesus talking about this new empire that is here, now, the empire of God. And what is God's empire like? Is it powerful symbols like lions and eagles and muscular gods who can hurl lightning? Is it about emperors and victorious battles and conquest and violence? No. God's empire is like seed, Scattered across the ground, you sleep and rise day and night. You know not how, but this empire just grows. It is outside of your control, outside of your own power. It is something that God takes care of. All you have to do is scatter it. Or it is like the mustard seed, this common, insignificant little seed. And it doesn't grow into the cedars of Lebanon, but into the greatest of shrubs, offering its branches and its shade, not for powerful beasts, but for common yet beautiful birds to come and rest. I hope I have painted a picture for you. I I hope I have painted the significance of this parable in the time that Jesus was sharing it. Imagine being a Jewish person in this time, constantly reminded of Rome's power and might, constantly living under that shadow and in that fear, hearing this parable. These were people that were defeated and broken and reminded of it. Constantly, and they did not have the power and the strength and the resources to rise up and beat back Rome at its own game. 
but they didn't need to because God's kingdom is that of the seed that mysteriously grows with God's help. God's kingdom is the insignificant mustard seed that becomes great. God's worldview is vastly different and countercultural to Rome's worldview, and that was the point. That even though these were people who couldn't raise an army, didn't have money and strength and power, through their own love, their own compassion, their own inclusion of others who are experiencing that fear, and through creating these alternate communities, they were showing the world that God's empire is here. And through these ways of love, it is far greater than the most powerful force on earth. This way of life that Jesus was preaching about, this way of life of scattered seeds, of mustard seeds, of mustard bushes, when we look back at history, we see that it brought people together. It brought persecuted and oppressed people together They didn't try to fight against Rome. They just lived outside of this worldview. They just loved each other and took care of each other and realized that God's kingdom is different than the kingdoms of this world. And that if they lived that way, they would grow just like that mustard seed. As I've said before, Rome didn't adopt Christianity because Constantine suddenly discovered Christianity. Rome adopted Christianity because it couldn't stop Christianity. And it had the option of being wasted away by it or by co-opting it. It took the wiser choice there. History has shown us what God's kingdom can look like when people come together in that kind of a worldview. So now imagine this parable for yourself. Do what I've asked you to do at the beginning of this sermon. Imagine what this parable, this kingdom of heaven parable, is saying about your life right now. Imagine what it is saying about our world, our communities right now. This parable offers us hope both individually and communally, societally. I hope in your own individual lives that it helps you realize that very intentionally, Jesus very intentionally was saying this, that God's kingdom, God's worldview, God's values are not for the powerful, the wealthy, the super talented. We are not a church gathered together of CEOs and the super wealthy people. We are not kings and queens and princesses and princes. We are your common, everyday folks. And that's what the mustard seed and the scattered seed is all about, that God's kingdom is for the common person, the one simply trying to make it through the day. God's kingdom is for the person who is perpetually told, you as you are, are not enough Because God's kingdom says that you, as you are, are more than enough. You are a child of God, loved just as you are. God's kingdom is for the person who can't always control their life, their destiny, how their day goes. God's kingdom is for the beaten and broken, the oppressed, 
and the marginalized. We don't have to have all of the answers. We don't have to be completely in control to inherit this kingdom. You just have to love as Jesus calls us to love. You just have to love so that this kingdom mysteriously grows in you and in your communities around you. And as I said, this parable is hope for our communities and our world. In a time where we are experiencing such tremendous polarization as a country, where racial injustice is very present, climate destruction is moving forward, income inequality is growing by the day, where we also live in worldviews that seem to value power and strength and wealth and victory and control, God's kingdom is still right here. That is the kingdom of the mustard seed. And just as persecuted people came together in the time of Rome, the most powerful force in that day and age, when people came together and still created communities of love and justice and compassion that Rome couldn't even stop, that very same kingdom is present right here, right now, and that when we come together as people through that same love, inclusion, justice-seeking life, not through violence or conquest, but by loving and taking care of each other. That kingdom continues to mysteriously grow in us and in our communities today. I pray that you see the hope of this parable in your life now, and I pray that you see the hope for our world now. This is not something we just wait for, for after our own death. It's something that is here, right here in this gathered body, in each and every one of you. I hope you see it, and I hope you feel it. Sometimes, Jesus makes it really easy for us. Actually, all the time. All the time, Jesus makes it really easy for us like scattered seed. You don't have to till the ground. You don't have to watch it. You don't have to check the pH level of the soil. You just scatter the seed. God takes care of the rest. Common, insignificant seed. We're the ones that make it hard. We're the ones drawing lines in the sand. We're the ones saying who's in and who's out. Jesus makes it easy for us, folks. Just love people. That's it. Just love people. Not certain people, but people. And just allow God to love you. Just as you are right now. Just love people, and the kingdom will follow. Amen.